Well, good morning and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. We're continuing today in our series on giving our attention to looking at our bodies as temples of the Holy Spirit. This morning, we're going to attempt to tackle the subject of diet and exercise from a proper perspective and prioritization. Thanks for listening. I really enjoy the, uh, the line in there that says, uh, brothers, come and help us. Sisters, come and help us. Uh, I think it's imperative that we understand that part of the journey in life to follow after Jesus is that it can't be run on our own. It can't be achieved on our own. We need each other. We need help. We need accountability. And I was thankful that while I was growing up, I had a, a mom that took away my Halloween candy. <laughs> but now that she's not here... <laughs> on my own now. (laughs) How's healthy living going? Uh, I I gotta say it's a it's a it's a difficult process, and we need one another's help. We need that accountability and encouragement because you know what? Some days I just feel like dripping cheese all over the vegetables, right? Any, anybody else? I mean, uh, it's amazing the, the flaw within humankind whereby if you put butter on anything, it tastes better, right? How is it that the very best things are so bad for us? Like uh, the, the, the things that taste the best in this world are the very things that are going to put you in the grave faster than anything else. In fact, do you know that they have entire committees of scientists who work on um, formulating everything so it just tantalizes the taste buds and, and makes it so appealing that you would desire these things. There, there's no coincidence that there's a, a correlation between the way in which not just America, but people in general, function and the food that they eat. Just think with me of the, um, the Snickers commercials. Have you seen the ones that say... Um, like, are, are you hungry? Better, better get something because you're not acting like yourself. Yeah. Well, a scientist will tell you that some of the ingredients in this food, what they do is they're engineered to engage the dopamine centers in your brain and release a chemical called serotonin, which is a, 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 a chemical of pleasure so that you feel good and, and you feel better after you eat something. And I mean, they, they don't even try to hide it. The world doesn't even cover this up. That's their advertising campaign, right? Uh, you're not acting like yourself. Uh, Your frontal lobe is a little bit off, and so you need a little bit of sugar boost. And then the insulin kicks in, and then you crash after that. And Boy, it just tastes so good, though. (laughs) And and think about about work. We read uh, this morning out of Genesis how uh, God said, Every green thing on the earth is yours for food. Every plant that grows from the ground is what I'm giving you to eat. And I'm giving you the challenge to work the earth, to rule over the fish and and in the sea and the birds of the air, and to subdue the earth, to multiply and to fill it. How many people get up in the morning on Monday and say, I get to go to work today? (laughs) Or is it like, oh, another day. All I want to do is sit back. And watch TV. That's all I want. You know, the, whoever invented the lazy boy, you got to give it to them, right? Uh, the easy recliner is just fantastic. In fact, there was a movie came out not too long ago uh, called Wall-E 
uh, where they looked into the future for what humans would look like. I just want to share a quick clip with you because this is what I really dream about. This is what I really hope happens someday. So uh, here, here's that clip. What do you think? Wouldn't that be great? I mean, everybody's nice and squishy and laid back. I don't even got to look far for the TV screen. It's right in front of me. You drink your food through a straw. Well, I mean, I don't know about bratwurst. That probably wouldn't go very good through a straw. Um, no, I, this isn't how God made us to be. Uh, but this is the direction we're all moving. Uh, we have a hard time exercising. I mean, I, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I see those guys running with their shirt off and I think I could I could look like that if I wanted to you know if I really wanted to you know it's hard though it, it is not easy to go and to try to uh, attain to the standards of I don't know what the world holds out there and and what I really want us to see is that there's a there's a fundamental flaw in how we pursue diet and exercise and that's what I'm entitling this message here it's your body uh, but it's God's building all right so it's your body and, and, and you're the one who is in charge of and responsible for it but it doesn't belong to you it's God's building where he lives And so today we're going to diet and exercise, and what we're going to try to do is see the fundamental flaw. One thing I want to give you today, so there's only one conclusion to pay attention to, uh, that will help us hopefully have a little bit more success. I I remember growing up, the the standard was Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? That... And who, who could be that? Who, so you would try to lift weights or you try to exercise and you could never get there. Uh, anybody else ever try dieting and it worked for a while but then it, ultimately it failed? Why does it keep failing? Why do we never get there? That's what we're going to try to address today. So uh, we're going to proceed uh, through our morning reading a story out of the Gospel of John. And I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6. Uh, it's, a, it's a fairly lengthy story. But as we read through it, we're going to pay attention to something that we, nor- we normally don't pay attention to in uh, John chapter 6. Usually this is a passage that we use when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. As Jesus will say that he is the bread of life. But what I want us to pay attention to is what's going on in the context. What's the historical context behind what's going on? So John chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Page 1657 in the Pew Bible. Thank you, Helen. All right, verse 25. When they found him, so we're kind of lost already. Who's the they here? Well, there are these crowds that have been following Jesus. And if you read in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll see that Jesus has just performed these amazing miracles. There's a little boy who just has a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread. And you know what? Jesus multiplies it to feed 5,000. Uh, People were really impressed with that. And just a chapter later, he does it again. But this time he feeds 4,000. So this is what's happening. The crowd is just enamored with uh, free food, honestly. Uh, They're able to come and Jesus just keeps feeding them. So that's what's going on here. All right, verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me. Not because you saw miraculous signs, 
but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. And so they asked him, What miraculous sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I've told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I'll never drive away. For I've come down from heaven not to do my will but to do do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of all that he has given me but raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I will raise Him up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about Him because He had said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can He now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I'll raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. For everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has ever seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that has come down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, I live because the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. On hearing this, 
Many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? What if the Son of Man... What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known that from the beginning, which of them uh, did not believe, and who would betray him. He went on to say, uh, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. Pretty cool story, right? Um, Again, one that we turn to many times to address uh, the reminder of the celebration of the Eucharist. Uh, The bread uh, that is broken representing his body and the cup uh, representing his blood that was poured out on our behalf, right? So we, we turn here for that, but did you see what was going on behind the scenes? Because Jesus was having a conversation with a group of people. Uh, there's three things that I want you to see here. Number one is this, that people were following Jesus for food rather than faith. The, the primary concern in their minds was their health. We, we got to get a little bit more food. He's handing it out free of charge. And if you go back and you look through the context, let me point out just a few places where you can see this. Um, Look when he says, uh, Jesus in verse 27, he he flat out gives them this command. Don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures. Because he knows why they're coming. He knows that you're not seeing the signs, believing that I come from God. You ate the loaves, had your fill, and that's why you're coming. So I just, it cracks me up looking at the way in which the crowd responds to him. Look at verse 30. After he has already said uh, that you need to believe in me, they're like, Hey, show us another sign. Give us another miracle so that we'll believe you. Now, what is it they're hoping for? What do you think? What miracle do you think they're hoping for? We want more bread. I can only imagine that whatever Jesus was making was fantastic bread. He's got all these people following him, right? Um, And then look what they do. They bait him even more. Verse 31. uh, Our forefathers ate manna. Now, of the Jewish people, could they have thought of a different miracle? Uh, In the old, they they could have listed off any of a dozen different miracles that would have shown God's interaction. But no, they pick, uh, we got bread from God, so what are you going to show us? You see what's going on here? They're following Jesus for food. They're not following Jesus for faith. They're they're going about this idea of pursuing health from the wrong start. From the beginning, they've got it wrong. Paul uh, writes to the Philippians in the passage that we read as well, uh, that there are a lot of people today um, who are obsessed with this. This wasn't just true then. This happens today. Uh, This was in Philippians 3. Do you remember in 19? Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach their god is their stomach 
Hungry? Get her eat a Snickers. I better do all I can do to, to, go, to go and eat. I'm controlled by my stomach. Uh, it leads me into what I want. These are the people that lived in Paul's day. These are the people that were following Jesus. They're not following Jesus for faith. They're not pursuing a healthy lifestyle because they want to honor God with their bodies. They're concentrating on the food. That's what they're concentrating on. So uh, th- this is really important. This is really important. I cannot stress this enough. That if in church all we talk about is nutrition, we will fail. You hear me? We will fail if all we talk about is Eat healthy, and this is good for you, and drink more water. If that's all we talk about, I promise you, you will fail. Because you have missed the main priority. You're doing it for food, not for faith. That's the first thing I want you to see. The second thing here uh, is that they, uh, they failed to see Jesus as satisfying. They kept asking for more bread. Uh, look in verse 34. Uh, Sir, they said, from now on, Give us this bread. Well, Jesus has just told them that he is the bread that's come down from heaven. They're still not thinking about Jesus, though. They're still looking for more miraculous kind of bread. And Jesus says in 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me. And what? You still don't believe. Have you ever had one of those just amazing Thanksgiving spreads? You know, like when family's coming over, you get really inspired to do extra stuffing and the cranberries and, you know, you put extra work into the turkey. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like really good spread, right? Imagine you were to go to that. Haven't eaten all day and take one look and say, nah, I'm not interested. That that doesn't look very good. It's not very satisfying to me. This is what people do to Jesus when they refuse to prioritize him as first in their life. You can't be a Christian and add Jesus. You can't have your life and then you want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger and be all Hans and Franz, you know, and um, add Jesus as an additional thing to your life. He's got to be number one. He has to be seen as primarily satisfying. That he is of more value than anything else. Anything you could eat, anything you could drink. I have a hunger for God. Lois, you got a hunger for God? Right? More than anything, I have a hunger for God. I want to, I got to get more of his word. I got to get more in connection with him, more in relationship with him. I got to find out how I can serve him and let more people know. Because he is ultimately more satisfying than anything else. Now, we struggle with this not only with food, primarily with food, uh, because it becomes something that controls our appetites. Remember, their God is their stomach. Um, There's a lot of other things in our life, though, that we would exchange for God, and we shouldn't. And we have to watch ourselves on this. Second thing I want you to see is that they failed to see Jesus as satisfying. I don't know how many times he needed to tell them that he is the bread. That, did you, do you remember reading it? I am the bread that's come down from heaven. I am the bread that's come down from heaven. Look to me, and they were clueless. They still couldn't see it because they weren't seeing Jesus as satisfying. They would rather have some bread. 
All right, last thing I want you to see here is that their attention was on the flesh rather than on the spirit. Their attention was on the flesh rather than on the spirit. Look at me over in uh, verse uh, 63. Jesus says the spirit gives life. Uh, The flesh counts for what? The flesh counts for nothing. I don't want you to get uh, a misunderstanding here to think that the flesh has no value. It's that the flesh, your body, cannot achieve for you anything of value. God made us. God made our bodies. He made us to be uh, following after him in conformity to the likeness of his son. He wants your bodies. But if all you ever do is work on the body, if that's all you ever focus on, you will not have life. He told them at least twice in this passage, look, your forefathers, they got the bread from heaven. They got manna. And they what? They died. Every one of us in here, I don't care how healthy you are, you run five miles a day. I cycle, train for the Ironman. I only drink water and super nutrients, protein. I don't care how healthy you are. You're going to die. That's 100% of people die. And therefore, you have to look after the soul. You have to look for that the spirit says more than the flesh. You focus on the flesh, you're going to fail. But if you prioritize God as first, such that whatever you do for diet and whatever you do for exercise follows a prioritization of God being first, you will succeed. You're still going to die, but your spirit will live. And there was a promise that was made three times in here. Jesus says he will raise you up. At the last day. Uh, I want you to turn uh, to another passage. Um, I'm going to have it up on the screen. But turn there anyways. Matthew chapter 6. We're just going to look at a few passages. As we conclude uh, this message this morning. Uh, Matthew chapter 6. Verse 31 through 33. Uh, Jesus is uh, giving what's commonly called the Sermon on the Mount. The folks here are uh, struggling with worry. Jesus wants them to know that God God knows what you need. He knows what you need, right? Verse 31, he says, So don't worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? It would be a mistake, church. It would be a mistake for us to spend four weeks studying on how we need to reserve our bodies for God, to return our bodies to God, focusing on nutrition, Constantly thinking, hmm, I wonder what I should eat. It would be a mistake for us to do that. Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry about it. What shall I eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But, verse 33, what's it say? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added onto you. If it's, it's almost like, and this is not a sermon on finances. I need a whole other 30 minutes to cover that. But if you give to God first, everything else will fall into place. But if you try to, I'm going to die, I'm going to exercise, and I'm going to just get her done, you're going to fail. Worrying about what you should eat. Worrying about what you should drink. Instead, seek his kingdom first. Seek his righteousness first. 
And as you do that, as you yield all that you are over to God, you're going to discover that there are certain things that don't quite have their appeal anymore in your life. I promise you this will happen. There will be certain items that you're going to say, you know what? I've had enough. Uh, Gluttony is a problem in America. Can I get an amen? It's a problem, right? Going back for seconds, going back for thirds. Guilty, right here. Guilty. Uh, You're going to get to the point where you'll say, you know what? I'm satisfied with this. I have enough. My body is going to make it. Instead of, because there's more, I'm going to shovel in more. Don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about what you drink. Instead, seek his kingdom first and seek his righteousness first. There's a passage in uh, Daniel that I just have to have us look at briefly. Uh, Daniel chapter 1. So turn with me now into the Old Testament. Uh, This is often a passage turned to by those who are vegans, those who are vegetarians, right? Those who are super healthy uh, because they want you to see what will happen if you eat only vegetables. But there's something else I want you to see in this passage. Daniel chapter 1. Page 1370 in the Pew Bible, if you're still searching for it. It's a a short little book. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, uh, but he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel, but the official told Daniel... I'm afraid that my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink, um, he's afraid of him. Why should uh, he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishai, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Now we're doing 40 at Grace Presbyterian, right? But 10 days here, right? Uh, Test them for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat. No cheese, it doesn't say butter, just vegetables, and water to drink. And then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested him for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked what? They looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and their wine. And he gave them what? <laughs> he gave them their veggies to eat instead. Um, you, you might turn to this and say, see, you got to eat your vegetables. But there's something I wanted you to see instead, which is it doesn't begin with dieting. It doesn't begin with nutrition. What does it begin with? Daniel resolved not to defile himself. I belong to God. That's why. I'm not going to eat this pagan food. Do you see the prioritization is correct? Daniel didn't go to uh, the chief attendant and say, hey, you know, I've read the nutrition labels on what they're ordering there in the kitchen. And instead, I think we better eat a little more healthy. That's not what he did. He said that I belong to God. I don't want to defile my body. He's beginning with that. And it's following a desire then to eat healthy. All right. Just two other quick passages. First Corinthians 9. Uh, This is all I got an exercise. I want you to see how Paul understands it. He says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They don't get a crown. uh, They do it to get a crown that will not last, 
but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like somebody running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I what? I beat my body and I make it my slave. So that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I got to confess to you, church, my body wants to sit on the lazy boy sofa. It does. I had planned this whole past week to do push-ups and sit-ups. Guess how many I did? I, I need to... Zero, church. I did zero. I had a lot of good intention, and I did none. So I'm going to, you know, hopefully listen to this sermon today and decide, you know what? I'm not going to try to exercise for exercise sake. I, I'm going to beat my body, right? I'm going to really force my body against its will because my body wants to sit back and have the TV right there. But I'm going to do it so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Because my body belongs to God. One last verse I want you to see from 1 Timothy He says, uh, Paul says to Timothy, have nothing to do with godless myths, old wives' tales, rather train. So there's that same word that he said in 1 Corinthians. Train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of what? It is some value, but godliness has value for all things. Holding promise for both the present life and for the life to come. All right, let's wrap this up. Here's what I want you to see this morning. Church, I want to challenge you to seek godliness in diet and exercise. Don't seek healthy living. Don't seek a smaller dress size. Don't seek a tighter waistband. Six-pack abs. Don't don't seek any of that. If you're going to pursue dieting, if you're going to pursue exercise, then seek godliness. In dieting and exercise. Prioritize God as first. Make that the reason why you choose to drink water instead of soda. Make make the desire to not defile your body. That I want to honor God with my body. The reason why you get up and walk or jog a mile or whatever that you do. Let godliness be your goal. Not a smaller number on the scale. On the bathroom scale. Let godliness be your goal. I think there's a few ways I wanted to help you to do this. Just a couple of questions to ask yourself. As you continue in 40 days, I hope you take the challenge, but ask yourself the question, am I doing this for my body or for God's temple? Because if you're doing it for your body, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're doing it for self-glory. We need to pursue diet and exercise for God's temple. Not for just our body. Ask, am I obeying the desires of my flesh or God's spirit? Remember, because that was the problem back in Jesus' day. They were concerned about the flesh. They weren't concerned with the spirit. Ask, am I starting each day by choosing to pursue faith? That was one thing I did good on this past week. Every morning that I got out of bed, I said, God, help me to honor you with my body today. And I'm going to trust by faith that you're going to help me to do that. Every day, I was very faithful to do that. So ask yourself that question. Are you pursuing faith? Or food? Am I offering my body to God? Or am I offering my body to my appetites? And lastly, and the last one's really important. Am I engendering habits of godliness? Or habits of carnality? That just means fleshliness. So just a few questions, hopefully, 
that you can work through as you're trying to pick up the mantle of wanting to be healthy. Folks, pursue godliness in this, okay? Amen? Amen. Let's pray together today.